0: Robin Bauer Kilgo and we are starting up another hashtag Arcs Chat Live budgeting on a shoestring shoestring excuse me. Um, couple of notes before we start: um, we will be moderating all of our social media feeds, so we'll be looking at Twitter, Facebook, along with the YouTube chat box. Please use the hashtag hashtag Arcs Chat for us to follow along. Um, there is going to be about a twenty second delay from when we're actually talking and then when we're looking at everything. So if you type in a question, we don't get to you right away. Just please let us know. And without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and hand the mic over to John Robinette.
1: Hey, I'm John Robinette. And I'm one of the other hosts. And...
2: <laughs> you throwing it to me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have another host.
2: <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Amanda. Welcome back to our second ARCS Chat YouTube Live session.
1: Yes, we are ready to talk about... Budgeting, but before we get that, what's going on uh, your way, Amanda? Anything interesting come across your plate?
2: So many things, um, but we actually just started an installation this week, and if anyone is familiar with the artist's work, we are doing a large-scale installation um, of Jennifer Angus's pieces, which are insects that she uses to create textile patterns on walls. And she had a really big show at the Renwick in 2015. This is the largest show today that she's done so far. So it's super exciting. It's a little weird, but I've learned a lot in the last few days.
1: Learned a lot about insects, I assume.
0: Insects, which are not but to figure out okay, hey, how so much is it gonna cost? And then we'd have to approach, you know, our leadership, and then they'd have to approach tribal council, and then you'd have to go to tribal council for the budget approval each year. So it just kind of depended on what aspect of the collections area you were working on for today, right, right. how it worked. Um, but it was kind of like what Amanda was saying when it came to the state approved budgets, just because, um, you know, a tribal government is like a, it's a, it's a county, well, it's more than it's, it's a weird hybrid of like county city, you know what I mean? Like government level. So you'd have to approach things like that. Right. And when we first started, when I first started working at the tribe, it was, oh my God, 2006, <laughs> which is crazy to think back that far. And um, we were still kind of in a flush season then so like if we came up with a project it was pretty much just like go for it kids and we'd run off by the time I left um the economy had flipped a little Mm
2: -hmm. so
0: it was a lot more us having to kind of like this is going to benefit us because of xyz you know what I mean and all of our stuff our budget everything had to tie back to our strategic plan to show that it was a strategic plan driven goal it couldn't just be like someone's, you know, just wanted to throw up an exhibit of whatever you had to be like, well, this is going to match the goal, the objective, which is going to match the goal of our overall strategic plan. Cause, right. um, our leadership was really into that, which I think is good. Cause if not, you end up having stuff willy nilly. So
1: that's actually why you have a strategic plan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say,
2: it sounds like you were doing everything right.
0: <laughs> yeah. But you know, sometimes it was hard cause you'd have older, uh, staff who didn't operate in that view. So you'd have yeah, to kind of go against, um, some institutional history a little bit to kind of make them understand that, you know, yeah, you, you could have a really cool idea, but unless you tie it together, it wouldn't move forward in whatever shape shape, or form. So. Uh,
1: If you guys are listening right now and uh, have any thoughts on, you know, working within budgets and you want to share how, how you budget in your department, if it's, uh, if you are given a number to work within or if you, you know had my experience where you uh are proposing uh your budgets let us know and let us know if you have any further questions about that stuff um so who does uh, well first off like how do you keep track of of your budgeting and your expenses is it just like you know google or excel and you just and is it all on the department head or who's doing that
0: for us, it was mainly in the department head, but I, that's where I learned the magical power of building uh, formulas in Excel
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: like, to like do stuff automatically. But especially right. when I was, mm-hmm. e- when I was ending up there, I was collections, head of collections. So for me, it was my responsibility to be like, okay, I'm on budget. These are our projects, you know, like everything's still within a budget framework that we can support. So but I know there's cooler stuff now, than, but I know people still use Excel. But I know there's cooler. I was
2: gonna say if, there, if there's cooler yeah. stuff, I haven't seen any of it yet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's pretty much still Excel.
0: Right. It's the magic that is Excel.
1: <laughs> like. What, what, what are the cooler things that you're talking about?
0: Hmm. Oh, I mean, even the, you know, even something as simple as Google Sheets wasn't really around when right. I was doing it. You know what I mean? Because I I went out on my own blah, seven years ago, so like you know, the Google Docs, the whole Google Suite was not around. So uh-huh. the idea of having a, a collaborative, uh, sheet that we could all go into and look at the same time, that was like, what is that? That is a mythical thing. You know, I still had, we would still bring these giant printouts everywhere, We'd be tracing things with markers and stuff. Oh, so, man. um, even, yeah,
2: started. <laughs> like, <laughs> this was like five years ago. I don't know
0: why i am saying it like that. It feels like a different world though, right? Like you just think yeah. back and I'm like, I think back to how I started and you know, like, um, probably have it in here, but the on the road again, the traveling exhibition book that like right. everyone has, there's like a, there was a printout in there that you could copy and write in, you know what I mean? To keep yeah. track of your budget thing.
1: They're working on a second edition of that right now. And i wonder if it's going to talk about maybe Google suite
0: or just anything like that. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's the way we approach it is a little different now.
2: You know what I mean? With how we do things. So right. it's, it's so interesting. You mentioned that though, because a lot of, um, projects i was working on before i moved on from the ringling we were trying to find like a project management software that we could all use that we could specifically for exhibitions because that's that's the work i did and our designer was really spearheading at the time but in those project management software suites you could have you know you could keep track of tasks and all that general stuff but you could keep track of budget as well mm-hmm. and i think that's a really big selling point because it could help us really manage that because, you know, when you go in you're, and you're talking about this particular type of project and you have like, well, we need this, we need this, we need this. But if you're not like looking at your budget in front of your face, those are wonderful, grandiose ideas. But When invoices start rolling in, you start getting at a bottleneck when you spend plenty of money and you can't, you know, it's just a harder way to manage it. So having it built into your project management software is actually a really neat thing.
1: Um. For the people that are listening, what are the project management software uh, programs that you're looking at that you're referring mm-hmm. to specifically? Do you know? Do you remember?
2: Well, I can say the ones that we were looking at. Um, I think it was called Microsoft Group. Uh huh. It was a Microsoft-based program, and I'm going to look it up right now because I'm going to bother me if I don't figure it out. Then we okay. actually got it approved in our department budget to buy because <laughs> nice. it wasn't cheap, which is another interesting, ironic. I don't know, it's the hard
1: do, thing. Do you have to sell them on that. We're going to save X amount of money if we, if we do this.
2: It wasn't my grand idea to advocate for, so I'm not entirely sure how our designers sold it, no. but I will say that because of their position, they work with a lot of different software programs to do their job. Yeah. So I think because of that, they had like a line item of new software programs they could buy every year Mm -hmm. and they're able to squeak it in that way.
1: Right, right.
2: That mythical, I I remember
0: us looking for the mythical project management software that would encompass everything in hearing even back then. Like Mm -hmm. um, Microsoft OneNote was one Mm -hmm. thing that you heard people talking a lot about. And then Microsoft uh, Projects, I think, was an actual term that we use. It's all Microsoft stuff. That's what it's called, Microsoft Projects. Oh, I pulled that out of the back of my head. <laughs> I like, I'm like, it was called something. <laughs> Project? I don't know. <laughs> is,
1: that, is that one that's still being used today?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. I mean, well, we just bought it, so hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Microsoft doesn't do what Google likes to do, where they just randomly stop doing their pro- their programs
2: <laughs> which i always we're not bitter about that no <laughs> what are you talking about
1: <laughs> well, it's not what happened to you know arcs chat uh <laughs> we did the one in may and
0: whatever google <laughs> like, Never, uh, i shouldn't yeah. say that as i oh, said and say that now my email won't work anymore <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly no just... google uh google docs for you robin <laughs> exactly
1: yeah well <laughs> well i mean even the even the free ones like there. are you know, things Mm -hmm. like Basecamp and Trello and, and then the other aspects of the Google suite allow a collaborative nature. And, you know, you could essentially turn Google sheets into a, you know, checklist of sorts. And so, you know, all of that can, can do project management on a, on a shoestring budget. I mean, you can do so much with, with these free programs. I use Trello all the time to keep track of, um, of all of my various projects. So
0: Where does Slack, here I have a question for you guys. Where does Slack fit into this? Does Slack help hinder? I don't know Slack very well. So I'm always trying to figure out how it fits into like the software world.
1: Um, I've I've got a lot of experience with it. I was working with um, a team of two other people. So there were three of us uh, that were essentially the department and we were rarely in the same place at the same time. So Slack allowed us to keep track of our projects, um, in sort of a chat format. And the the goal of Slack is essentially to email, uh, eliminate interdepartmental email. Mm. So you never run into the situation where like the, the idea is to avoid things like, Oh, did you send me that? Was that an email? Was that a text? Or, uh, was that a phone call? Did you just tell me that? So you have it all in writing in one location and it's searchable. Gotcha. And uh, you can archive it if you have a paid subscription. I think you you have to pay for it to be able to archive the conversations in the same way that you would archive email. But you can you transfer documents. You can use hashtags. You can add somebody if you want them to specifically address a certain thing. Um, and you can do mo- pretty much everything you need um, minus archiving in the free version. Um, I'm a big fan of it. And lately... Um, there've been uh, um, people using it as a collaborative tool. So I don't know if you saw on the ARCS forum, uh, people that are interested in time-based media, someone uh, started a group on Slack to share thoughts and, you know, concerns about time-based media, specifically about time-based media. And that was a Slack group. Um, I'm I'm associated with a a co-working space in the town where I live and they started a Slack group so that they could keep everybody informed about the times that the space was rented out. Um, or, you know, just updates about the, about the space. So, you know, people are using it in other ways besides just, uh, you know, within a department or within an institution. So I, I find it pretty useful. Although I've heard there's been a lot of, I say a lot, there's been some kickback about it recently where you're like, Oh, you're giving this company all this information about your institution and, Mm -hmm. you know, you can consolidating it in one spot for them to, you know, utilize the data. I don't know that they do that, but that is, that is a concern that's uh, been expressed. So um, it'd be worth researching, I guess, but as a tool, I find it pretty useful and again, cheap or free.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I just have had a lot of people being like Slack, and I'm like, I'm just like, I feel like I'm just old enough where I'm like, I feel too old to learn a different program, but I know I'm gonna have to. <laughs> so I'm just like, on,
1: Robin, I'm older than I'm like, you.
0: <laughs> I gotta keep up. My joke is always, I have to keep up for when they implant the chips in my children's heads, I'll understand what is happening. <laughs> so I
1: have to, like, you gotta know up. where to scan the
0: barcode
2: exactly, no. like, gotta, gotta keep up with the tech. Know what's well, we're talking about a lot of really good resources. I think what we'll try and do is collect this information. And if it sounds good to you guys, we can list it in the description box below on YouTube. Yeah. post the podcast after after the live session. So people can go back and have a chance to look through some of the things we talked about and do a little research for themselves. Maybe these, these things will work for them as well.
1: Right, right. I think uh, noting the tools is, is super important. And that's, that's kind of why we're here because uh, I think these are ways to help you Save money and you know, and, and even learning them to a, a greater degree, like you know, Excel, for example, it's been around forever, everybody has it. And maybe it just requires understanding how to really, you know, kit out a a spreadsheet so that you can build a model. And and so you you change one number and it changes all the numbers, and then you know how, you know, ordering this much of X product affects the entire thing, you know? So sure or adding one more, you know, art handler for the, for the install can, uh, screw the whole thing up. You know, if yeah. it may be just about, um, you know, understanding those, those things at a, at a greater level. And it's, you know,
0: you mentioned art handlers is interesting because when it comes to salaries, how do how have you guys looked at those in the budgets? Cause I know when you're budgeting on a shoestring, it's the idea that you use in-house staff is what you try to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So hopefully your salaries aren't there, but what if you need to get like external conservators work or things like that? Like how, how have you guys worked around those issues or those problems or have you?
2: I always wanted, and I don't know if they quite got to the point, but I would like to do it moving forward on budget planning. I, I just started a new position. So I'm kind of, I came in right after the fiscal year started. I had no input on my budget this year, but I promise you I will next year. Um, but one of the things I want to qualify is staff time, the value of staff time versus the value of contract time. And one of the things I learned a great deal from the preparator at the Ringling is he really made an effort to show the value of doing things in-house and the savings that would come from it, as opposed to having things outsourced. I mean, there's other benefits as well. We used to always outsource our framing which you know required what more movement of the artwork off-site locations other people storing and being responsible for it. So because we were able to move it on site, obviously the registration staff was way happier but we saved exponentially in terms of cost.
1: But did that require working extreme hours?
2: No, we really tried to develop a culture that um, I mean, project management was a big part of it, making sure we were staying on task and we had people to help us stay on task. It was a team effort, um, but also developing a culture where like there's a work-life balance. Right. And I, I can say nice. at least working at a state institution, that's a bit imposed on you, um, which is a good thing. We should all have work-life balance. And I'm, I'm currently working at a private museum and I was just telling Robin and John that there's so many differences um, and uh, work-life balance is different as well uh so it, it wasn't it wasn't a big change like that i would say
1: right yeah because i think i i know part of the um impetus for a lot of people like you know there's been a lot of unionizing of um yes um lately especially around new york and i think a lot a lot of the argument is around that it's like okay well you know, we can't we can't be working twelve hour days. You know, just because you want to save on the budget, you don't want to co- contract out this stuff. And it's also, you know, if, if you are doing that, it, it also becomes a risk to you know, the objects you're installing. So, um, you know, people get tired and and uh, they don't concentrate as much, and you lose focus, and accidents happen. So, um, so it's good to hear that. You know, at least in your in your case, you're not actually overextending everybody by keeping it in-house.
2: Well, and I have to, I mean, maybe this is just, you know, I'm tooting my my own horn here, but I would like to think that the planning that went into these projects and the scheduling that went in did a lot to help manage that. Because things are always going to come up, right? Expenses are going to come up. Um, Linking it back to budgeting, uh, we always made a line of contingency in our budgets for projects. And even within our department, actually, I don't know if we did within our department budget, But for every project, we had like a 10% line of contingency funds because something's going to go wrong. Right. Um, You know, you have to think about like, what about current situation is trying to figure out uh, we have a a staff member who's sick and they're not here to do work and we're a smaller staff. So missing one Mm -hmm. person is a huge impact. So now we have to pay for contract work and that's not something we budgeted for right so moving forward having a contingency line and projects will really help um because if we come under budget that's fantastic that's money back in the back into the pool for others but uh, if we need it we really need to have it there
1: right right super important i I think planning is can't be emphasized enough in terms of saving money you know I, i can't tell you how many times um, I, I would do a courier trip and, you know, I'd buy the, the ticket was bought for me the week of the travel, the week Ooh. of the trip. And, you know, like, I mean, this is the opposite of saving money. And, um, you know, and I mean, if you can get, I mean, obviously you you're you have to get that flight because the cargo is booked on, that flight. So you really have no options. And, you know, maybe sometimes the only thing that's left is a business class ticket and I don't even require it. So, um, you -hmm. know, you end up paying, you know, three times what you should be paying and that I'm just one of the couriers for the, for the, one of the lenders, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. there could be, you know, as many I've been on shows there, there's 30 plus lenders, Mm -hmm. um, or couriers. So, um, planning, you know, in advance is so important, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, you don't get object lists until late and, you know, you have to respond and react and, you know, whatever you get thrown curveballs by, by other people or whatever, you know, maybe it's your fault too, but, you know, uh,
2: I do no wrong, John, what could you, what would yeah. you mean?
1: I mean, you know, I could drink from the wrong end of the water bottle. So,
2: there
1: you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean that's that was actually something somebody somebody else uh brought up on twitter when we were asking for questions just like the importance of, of planning you know just can't be um said enough it can't be emphasized enough so but um i mean do you in terms of you know we were talking about staffing and everything do do your departmental staff salaries, uh, do they come out of your departmental budgets or does that come from a higher administrative administrative level?
0: Everywhere I've worked, that's a different level. You know what I mean? Like that's a, it's a different process. And actually when you need, when you find the need for a new staff member that has its own budgeting thing, we're kind of like what you guys were talking about, where if you realize you're out, this actually happened to us when I worked at the tribe, we were looking at conservator costs and we realized with the amount of conservation work we were doing, if we got an in-house conservator, even with the amount of money that would cost, it would save us money on the back end. Right. So, um, but it took a while <laughs> to convince people <laughs> of that right. fact. And that's you being a good advocate for your collections and its needs and right. kind of what you think it might need in the future. But it was a separate, like you basically had to approach people and said, Hey, I need a FTE, a full-time equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, to do it because that's the thing that I, when I was younger and first learning it, I always thought, okay, well, it's a $50,000 budget or salary. That's what it costs. Right. And it's like, no, you have mm-hmm. to add on healthcare. Benefits. You have to add on, and you know, all this other stuff. So like a $50,000 position is really probably more like an 80 to a hundred thousand dollar position for your institution. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, that was something to always consider as well. So,
2: yeah, that was the same experience I always had. Um, it was, really challenging working for a university that was funded by the state of Florida, because there are just more levels of, um, proof, I guess you have to show in order to advocate for the position. And, you know, there's so much need when you're part of a larger organization that justifying the priority for your department within your museum, within your university is just like layers and layers of effort. So, If you're lucky, like we were, we had a great HR person who understood what those needs were at the university level and could help us translate that. And I mean, it still took years. There were years before we were able to add some positions. But I mean, given that type of structure, organizational structure, I think we actually did pretty well for ourselves in getting enough staff. Um, But it kind of circles back to what Robin was mentioning with linking things back to your strategic plan advocacy for your budget, maybe maybe it is linking it back to your strategic plan. Maybe it is linking it back to your organizational goals, your department goals to justify why you need the things you need. Maybe it's knowing what the department manager is looking for and what they need and phrasing it in a way that makes sense to them. Um, you're, you're all part of a team. You're all part of, a, of an institution working together ultimately towards the same goal, but knowing how to verbalize effectively what you need is a real skill, I would say in advocating for your budget.
1: Um, Right. And, and I think, I think you, you hit on an important topic is like the people that approve these budgets, they all respond to different things. Some people, it might just be pure numbers. Can we Mm -hmm. afford it? Um, Or like how long does it take to pay for itself? So if you can show, you can amortize you know, all right, say in five years, this thing will pay for itself, but it's going to, to pay it back, whatever, it, it it's going to take a few years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, some people respond to that. Some people respond to, you know, this is cultural heritage that we're pres- preserving. This is history of humankind, you know, whatever, you know, make it sound um, grandiose in that respect, but whatever, you know, you have to appeal to, to, to people um, the way they need to be appealed to. So, Mm-hmm. um and know know who you're talking to in other words so mm-hmm.
2: and another tool that i really like we've talked about like google docs and spreadsheets and stuff google docs actually has some really great templates but even microsoft programs if you're using excel or you're using word they already have templates that have been made you know i've right. used one for my timesheet i'm not i'm a salaried employee but i still like delegate the project like what am I doing I'm spending Mm -hmm. this much time on emails this much time on registration work this much time on loans I try to qualify Uh and quantify my
0: efforts
2: (laughs) (laughs) because I want to be able to come back and say like this is where I'm spending my time
1: right
2: to my to my supervisor how do you want me to reprioritize what's our priority how can I shift this to meet your priority or I'm spending all my time doing this one thing you need another employee I can't do anything else because I'm getting right, right. all the answering email. Um, those things are already built in. I'm sorry.
1: That's such a great tool, especially if you um, if you want to justify, say, a raise yeah. down the road.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> Why do so, you think I count my time?
1: Yeah, exactly. Or, um, or you know, to to know, like, if you if you see somebody. That is working consistently you know 50 60 hours a week, or you find yourself doing that and you're like, what exactly do I do <laughs> so yeah, yeah.
2: Um,
1: so especially in office culture where you can easily just get caught up catching up about the weekend or whatever you know is so much you know chewing the fat time so
2: but it can just be really intimidating when you come to think, well how am I supposed to show this? how am I supposed to you know grasp my time well a lot of that that a lot of that's already made for you. If you just want to shuffle through some templates in either of those programs, you can find something that works for you, and then it's already programmed and done. I mean, you can still learn how to use Excel if you want to, but you could also <laughs> do it. No, of way. course,
1: of course. And there's so many that that are free online that you—they're not just within the Excel or the Microsoft universe. They are made by other institutions. So, um. So with that in mind, like if if you do find that in your in your instance, for example, like you're spending a lot of time on, you know, remedial tasks, you say we need a intern or a volunteer. Is that is that a way to manage that? I mean, I mean it's th- in theory and it should be a budgeted item. It should be paid for, as we all know.
2: <laughs> well, a couple of things if I can get on my soapbox. So far. Uh, <laughs> I, if you're fortunate enough to work at an institution that provides fellowships or paid internships, absolutely. Those are fantastic things that you can draw people in for, and you can compensate their time appropriately for. If you are a blessed person who gets a wonderful volunteer who gives their time and does good work and is excited about that work, then you are a lucky individual and I would put them to work. Um, I think that can go a really long way towards helping out on projects. I, I know in my own mind, there's a lot of backlog data entry that needs to happen into our collections management system. We just have like paper files somewhere in some abyss that the new person who has no institutional knowledge knows nothing about, and it, it needs to be in the database. The fact that it isn't is a problem. And I could use a volunteer to help me do that because it's simple data entry. Um, and, and the, the benefit of that is it's just time given. I mean, you still count that time. It's in kind time, but I also think that you could show and like keep track of that, document that, and use that to prove and justify you need a paid position as well. And we have this volunteer spending this much time doing these X, Y, and Z things. And this intern graciously decided to give their time because we can't afford to pay them or we don't have the opportunity to pay them right now. And look at what we need right that would be my angle on that
1: right for sure
0: i mean it's i I know with my experience it's been really hard and i I had a weird experience because the museum i worked with was in the middle of nowhere like if you looked at a map of florida there's the big lake in the middle and we were right below the lake and florida is populated by the coast so like there was no one near us so trying to get volunteers is always really hard um we got interns but you know, at the time, this is again the late O's, um, the idea of a paid intern was something still kind of really unheard of. You know, Even now it's getting battled in. And I think that it would be a really good way to uh, help your budget, is if you can put certain things in for paid interns to show like it's a little less money to get these guys to do these remedial tasks. But um, you still need to be careful to make sure you can depend on them to be there. Because that was always a hard thing. With volunteers, they could, I don't want to say flake out, but some, life can happen. You know what I mean? And that volunteer you were depending on might not show up every day. So I think the idea of trying sure to build in internships, paid internships to your budget would be great for all reasons. Save some money and also give those kids, I hate saying kids, makes me feel like i a little... <laughs> the yeah, kids, a chance to like gain that work experience, we all need to get jobs, right? That's the thing, you need to get a job, you need the work experience. Right. So, um, I think that's something, and if you have a good internship core, like go for it, you know what I mean? But you just really need to make sure you can depend on those people to show up and fulfill that job. Cause if they don't show up, then you're stuck with it. And then you end up having to play that game of catch up, you know what I mean? with All your stuff. So I think that's something to think about as well when you're depending on interns and volunteers for sure.
1: Right. Well, and the other thing is like, you know, the one thing I always wondered is like, can you... Um, fundraise specifically for that but you know it's like nobody wants to sponsor you don't have the john doe memorial registrar position or internship position in the way that you know people have directors or scholars and things like that so you know can you say solicit a grant for doing all the data entry that needs to be done to bring your collection up to your, your collections management system up to date, or can you solicit, uh, you know, a sponsorship or an endow- endowment for an internship position? Uh, are these legit things? Do people do this?
0: Yeah. You know? For grants? Yeah. Like you can totally put in something that says, you know what I mean? Like we want a position, usually it's matching. So you yeah. know, you say, like I'll put half the money up if you put the other half the money up. Um, right. But yeah, I think, you know, I think grants, you kind of have to, you know what I mean? Especially if it's a big, if it's a backlog project, holy Moses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to show that you're going to be educating people and also right. using them to do stuff. I mean, that's for sure. Do that.
2: One of the beautiful, I have a thing to add to that, but one of the beautiful things about putting data into your database is that it, if you have a way of making your database available to the public, searchable on your website, things like that then there's a whole level of access that you can give mm-hmm. to the, the whole free world not just your community. Um, and that's always a really wonderful thing. And even um, one of the big projects, a colleague of mine at The Ringling really worked towards was putting our entire collection online, regardless of whether or not there was information in the record. If it was just bare bones, maybe it didn't even make sense. Right. We, we chose to just put it all out there. I cannot tell you the numbers and feedback we got, it was tenfold. I would say once a week we were getting emails to our department, email going, I'm a researcher in this field, and I saw this online, and I did this, this, I have information to share with you, or I want to know more about these, please I mean, I, it was a great turnaround. It was a really um, tangible thing that we could see happen just by putting information out there. So if you can get a grant to support that, accessibility and access is a wonderful Is a wonderful thing and there's payback at least in in that regard. Right. But in terms of like sponsorship, so one of the things that we have at my current job is we actually have a donor who's been a really long time supporter of of the museum who has sponsored a contract position, ooh, which is really interesting. And it's opened my eyes a bit to other things that are collection, collection based things that could have a donor support. And I mean, I even asked from if our development team could find people who are interested in technology right. and would be willing to support more licenses for our database. Because right at the moment, we have three, but we have like seven people using the database and we're constantly needing to kick each other off so we can do work. But if someone is really interested in technology and accessibility and, and information access, that might be right up their alley. So I'm always trying to encourage our development team and my supervisors to think outside the box. Like people have a variety of interests, variety of things they want to support, and this might be something they're interested in doing. Maybe they really like African art. Maybe they're willing to sponsor us a contract registrar and a scholar so that we can actually figure out what our African art collection holdings are.
0: That, that reminds me of a, a session I saw years ago at the Florida Association of Museums so where they talked about microfunding for projects. So, you would identify a project at your institution. It could even be like new boxes or something, right? And then you start either a not Kickstarter, because I think they're evil now, but like some other platform. But <laughs> like basically, you say you're trying to do $25,000 to do boxes, and people just give little bits of money, $2,500, little bits of money to build up to that. And I think when it comes to budgeting, um, when you're looking at your budget and it's super tight, if you can identify a small project and figure out those donors or people who will get 10, 20 bucks here or there to build out that project, you could actually see some of the passion projects get fulfilled, which I think would be a great for sure.
1: That's a, that's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. I actually had a, an interesting uh, question come in via Twitter on, on this topic of grants. Uh, it's from Melanie Neal at Melanie Neal three. Uh, Curious if there are any tips on managing the actual workload on collections projects funded by grants. As grants are not guaranteed, we often have our workload with a year planned out when, surprise, we get that grant and we have to quickly re-strategize. Thoughts?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you get the money funded, you kind of have to run with it. (laughs) I was going
2: to say, I think that re-strategizes it for you, doesn't it? Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, or fortunately, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say that just happened. Um, you know, there's so many priorities, things that I have, things that my colleagues have for our department, but we just had a donor come in that said, well, I want to do this. And we're like, well, it's not a major priority, but it's a really, but it's what you want and what you're willing to support. You know what? Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. When are we going to have this opportunity again?
1: Right. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess that's that's the question is like you know if uh yeah are you completely switching gears and you know like like you're saying you know all of a sudden this thing that wasn't a priority becomes a priority, so yeah, I guess you take it as it comes <laughs> so i mean I wonder um well i mean look if if you if you solicited a grant and and, and this would be the, the the big difference between say a, a donor. If you solicited the grant, it's obviously a priority. So you, um, you, pr- it's. I would think that it's probably not a huge leap. Um, I, 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 I guess, yeah. I, you would probably have, in some. I would, I would hope, yeah. You know, maybe Melanie, you can uh, respond uh, and let us know exactly how how you what are your thoughts on this because like you must have on some level or a, a, a contingency plan like okay if we do get the, the grant then we will have to you know, hire this person because it would then be paid for and then we could you know fulfill x project etc um but i guess you probably also don't want to go you know full-blown into planning for something that you may or may not get so Right.
0: Um, I know that whenever we did it, we always we across our collections and maybe have five or six projects that we knew we could work on. And I'm talking outside of exhibit schedule. Like I'm talking like, you know, we want to rehouse this collection. We want to digitize this collection. We want to, I don't know, do something with that, you know, at least make it look pretty, you know, <laughs> like, like, like chaotic on a table somewhere. In vault. Um, so with those collections, you kind of have an idea of what stage you were at. Then if you got that influx, sometimes you had to drop Project, which you know hang out for a little bit and pick up that other one and just start running with it as you could because you that was the time you had the money we'd have that in the tribe I mean all of a sudden you'd be like someone would get really a project and you get an influx of money and you'd be like this we're working on the digitization project now for the next three months you know what I mean you kind of move stuff around and work on that um but going back to what you're talking about with planning making sure you've done your initial planning phase and making sure that you in your budget and everything can support those projects is incredibly important as you're approaching getting them done so that's something to think about as well there's a lot of like background stuff you usually got to do before you get that level at least
1: i mean the the the, the, yeah i mean in in this question for example the the real question was are there tips on managing the actual workload and collections that are funded by grants um and you know that that is like the planning we're talking about it's maybe some of the project management tools um I would think is part of it um
2: I would wonder if also there are like milestones you want to meet you know how like you can do strategic planning right here are the milestones you want to get in year one um maybe for a grant-based project uh initial planning or or as you go planning maybe having milestones you want to meet in the timeline which you want to try and get those on might help you also figure out how to plug in and manage the workload one thing that i really love is having a department calendar that everybody everybody uses in the department so we know like we've got this install happening here we're doing a change out here bobby joe is out this week all those things um that's also a nice like bird's eye view of everything you've got going on and where you can plug in things that you know you and your entire department can work on together so maybe having something like that already established can help you blend those two things the grant-based project and your general workload or maybe just your grant workload
1: do you do you guys keep a paper or digital uh, department calendar
2: digital department calendar it's an outlook yeah, yeah. No, i don't easy. like paper i mean i like paper but i don't like paper
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. i like paper amanda <laughs> like, yeah. i love
2: work on paper <laughs> right, right. i am yeah there you
0: go i do digital calendars i mean i have like a paper to-do list which is like you know how i track things but i think when you're working across teams it's all digital nowadays some places i've walked into still do the giant wipe erase board um that you'll see for project management but i'm seeing that less and less i think in the past and the still. problem
1: with that is that you can't plan a year in advance with that
0: there's so
2: some big calendars out there, John
0: calendars out there. That I'm just like, wow, <laughs> like, that is impressive. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the digital one because then, um, you can keep various ones. You can keep one for you know, holidays. You can keep one for your immediate department. You can keep one for all staff mm-hmm. um, and, you know, you can see what you want to see at that time. So I think, um, you know, that is a huge thing. I think milestones is, is a pretty critical thing because it also it allows you to do so many things. Obviously, you know, you, once you set a milestone, you can figure out how to achieve it. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also uh, justify the grant, of course. You can also link it to your strategic plan. Um, and all of these things can, um, and obviously, you, it's a budget review point. So you say, you know at, at this point we will, you know, what's the next step, you know, and, you know, at a, a milestone sort of forces you to reevaluate where you are. So um, yeah, it's a great, great tip. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess we already talked about the technology and everything. Um, uh, what do you, have you guys figured out any like ways to, creatively um what's the term like budget tricks you know I, like this this is this is kind of a weird one i guess but uh, you know i in, in in a way that you know say hire a volunteer quote-unquote hire a volunteer um to do that might be a sneaky way to you know help execute something in a dubiously ethical way um to fulfill a project. Do you, you guys have any other like tricks that people might want to
0: try? Reuse as much stuff as you possibly can from previous <laughs> <acts like that>. <laughs> like, <laughs> I keep I just hoard tissue at this point. We <laughs> used to have a used a, it for something. <laughs> We used to have a stack of blue that would just get progressively and smaller. <laughs> <laughs> like
2: I can do something with this.
0: Do something with this. You can make it into you know, that that was big. Um Knowing, keeping um, eyes out for sales on things, you know, every mm-hmm. once in a while we do a sale. Um, getting to so,
1: be- yeah, packing materials are like a huge expense. That <sighs> kind of like hit on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, old old plastic can become a dust cover, for example, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. A
2: cloth in the gallery. Yep. Yeah.
0: Um, we would reuse um, old like uh what am i thinking of like foam core or everything like sometimes you know you can slip it on the other side and use it for stuff it was just anything that you could possibly redo which is very green of us before green became like a crazy yeah. <laughs> thing but yeah we would do a lot of that um and also you know there's the whole idea of consortiums too like getting together with a couple people and trying to get discounts mm-hmm. for things
2: right.
0: so um, mm-hmm. if you're ordering boxes you know like if you look at the prices in gaylord for boxes um, and the more you buy kind of the cheaper per price it goes. So if you know if someone else who could use it and ordering a bigger amount, that was something we'd do a lot back in the day. Um, what else?
1: Do you, um, but you, the the consortium <laughs> made me think of something that I think people don't do enough of and that's negotiate with their vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I think that, you know, pretty much you should negotiate everything, especially if it's a vendor that you use a lot. Um, But I mean, do you guys negotiate stuff? Like if you're you're hiring the same trucking company, um, are you negotiating your rates or any of that stuff?
2: I don't think I've ever tried to negotiate a shipping estimate. I've been desperate and told shippers, I can't afford anything. What can you do for me? Yeah. Um,
1: that's negotiation. I guess,
2: I guess so. It's all, I don't like doing it cause it's, it, I feel like I'm putting all my cards out there and also, you know, you have, you build professional relationships with these people. I don't ever want to make them feel I've taken advantage of them. Right. Um, but sometimes you are just out of luck. Uh, so right. that, that's one way to do it. Right. I, I feel like the the one thing that I've been successful at is like shopping around Mm -hmm. We talk about supplies. I really like to shop around because I'll order like I need virgin plastic. I do not get that from your standard places. I get it from like Discount Bisqueen. Plastic I need it's good quality, but I'm telling you, it's fifty percent less. Yeah, Um, but I have never like had the gall to negotiate. Um, But it's a really you make a really good point, John. Because if you're doing a big project um, or you're moving a lot of things, or maybe you're traveling a show. Trying to work something out that's reasonable with the vendor you're utilizing for that project makes sense. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Well, I mean, you know, lots of times, and I'm sure you've been in this position, Amanda, you have to get more than one quote, right? Like when you're building oh, right. a quote, yeah. you have to be like, okay, I got a quote from this person, I got a quote from this person. I will, I still do feel very comfortable going back to the more extensive people and going, hey, these people gave me a lesser quote. You know what I mean? Can you match it? Or can you meet us halfway? Or can you help us out a little bit? Um, that, I mean, that's even from doing stuff around our house. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm right. non shy about doing that, and just being like, can you give us a break or, you know, you are our preferred vendor, but
1: we also don't know if the vendors are giving us a rate, expecting us to negotiate. And then when you don't, you're like, they're probably just cheering in the background. Um, <laughs>
2: I feel
0: know, like dwindled you? right now. mean, most of them are very fair, or they would give you reasons as to why they could. Right. I yeah. know. I I used to run into a big problem because the tribe I worked for was a gaming tribe. So Seminoles have the hard rock casinos, and a lot of people would be like, I'm not "All that gaming money." they would be like, "I'm not." The museum is not getting. <laughs> yeah, <that."> totally different. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, That's going other. That's going to very rightfully so healthcare for the tribal members and infrastructure for the tribal reservation lands and stuff like we are a small little corner of that pie you know what I mean so sometimes being kind of frank with people about your situation can help with getting rates down as well
1: That's yeah well Another, I, you know, coming oh, from the collection world um everyone would just kind of come to us and say you got money you know and <laughs> you know we we also had a budget too um mm-hmm. and you know everyone was we were under constant pressure to not get taken advantage of and um you know at some point you know you, you compromise you're not just like saying lower 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 i need this to be lower um and sometimes you have to give a little and say hey i am willing to sacrifice paint on the outside of my crates um in order to get this lower for example um but, you know, I think that, you know, you, you owe it to your, yourself and your institution to try and do that, especially if you know you're going to be working with these people. Now, A, don't, don't rely too much on one vendor. Uh, and, and B, um, you know, they, they know that you're bidding this stuff out, um, you know, and, and they should know that. And uh, so, yeah, you should, you should be protecting yourself in, in that respect. So, but, you know,
0: sometimes, too, you run into the problem where there's only so many vendors in your area. Right. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They know that too.
0: <laughs> right. So it's, you know, that's also kind of personal relationships too. You know, we talk about that a lot is getting to know people. And
1: right.
0: When they come to the conference in a month, you know, going up and meeting the people at the shippers and, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like being like, Hey, I work at this place. If they put a face to a name that might help out in the relationship and the wiggle room, they have to.
1: Right. So, I've,
0: I've heard of That's my subtle reminder that the conference is in like a month. Like like it's coming down the pipe.
1: Well, I, you know, I've I've heard of institutions like museums where they know that they they have a preference to work with X company, right? Mm -hmm. Um and they say, hey, look, I can guarantee you that, you know, I will use all of these services, you know, approximately this amount. Um this is like getting a room rate at a, at a hotel for a conference, for example, you're like, I, I, am going to guarantee you this amount of work, uh, but I need you to come down on the price, you know, around this much. Right. Um, and, and as a result, they're getting a lot of work out of it. So, and it's, and it's almost like, and to know that it's guaranteed, that's like a, that's a bonus for them. So, uh, so they might be able to, to, to do that. So, Um, as a technique that might be one way to go about it so again you're limited you know if if they say well i don't need to because you know i'm the only guy in the area so that that is a that is possibly a response um and you know but if you have competition if they have competition yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a way to go but you are sort of putting your fish in in that basket
0: Mm,
1: for sure so
2: another thing that um I was thinking about to kind of get the most bang for your buck out of your budget is if you do have other departments at your institution, we work really closely with our facilities department. And one of the things that's actually coming up for us is we have to, we're getting to the point where our lights and our track fixtures are getting old and they need to be replaced. And typically those minor replacements come out of our department budget, but because it's going to be a big overhaul and we're going to be investing over periods of time, It's actually something that we're trying to collaborate with our facilities department on so that no one budget is getting totally drained for this one thing, but we are kind of joining forces to help pay for things. And that might be a way, if you can collaborate with other departments at your institution, try and get some things done that maybe you couldn't otherwise independently.
1: Yeah, that's a good call.
2: Um, Then also, I know this is maybe not something that everyone's comfortable with, But if it's ever an appropriate scenario, one of the things that I thought was really generous of the Ringling when I worked there is we would always offer to share shipments for shows. We lent a lot. So it was a very common thing we did, but you know, we're all sending paintings to X, Y, and Z cargo facility, but they all got to come back this way to the East coast. Well, you know, any, you know, anyone can ride on the truck with our crate or our crate can go on anyone else's truck if they're comfortable with that. I mean, that's a great way to save a lot because exclusive transit can be really pricey.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, sharing couriers whenever possible, all of those things are, are massive things. And, you know, there's been a lot of courier initiatives specifically um, regarding that topic, because it is kind of ridiculous that you're going to send, you know, three or four couriers on the same plane. And um, especially if the works are not specialized, they don't need super special attention. They're not super fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, sharing those expenses, uh, is a big deal. So I want to circle back to our, our grant conversation because Melanie responded, she said, um, you know, she had asked about, uh, project management within, within, uh, with a grant. And, um, she said, I'm thinking, I think I'm thinking of how the grant project become, becomes fit in, uh, among other things that must get done, exhibits, other commitments, et cetera. As you all said, the grant does reprioritize things for you, but it still feels a bit like learning to juggle.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I think, yeah, it'll probably always be a bit of a juggle, but I'm I'm gonna go back to my original comment of keeping a department calendar or some other type of master calendar where you know what your shows are, your other projects or priorities are, because that will show you the gaps that you can fill things in in order to get your grant complete or to keep up with your grant. And again, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you have a grant calendar and you figure out how to fit in everything else around it. Right, right.
1: I mean, and also, like, I mean, we we never really fundraise as departments, do we? Like, and and you know, I like I I I kind of imagine this fantasy world where you know, like, registrars can go out and solicit donors to to do this stuff, but you know, it it all tends to go through other people that I guess are specialized in that. But, um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, having, having like, if it were me, I would have like a Trello board with like, all right, these are the things that I'd like for my department. And, you know, maybe this is not possible this year, maybe this is a five-year goal and this one. However, this could be done now. So I'm going to pitch that for my budget for next year. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that way I always know, like I'm, I'm keeping a running checklist that's short, medium, and long-term mm-hmm. uh, of, of things that I would like for for the department. And that, that would just be like one list on the Trello board if you understand how that works, but. Yeah, we
0: did that. I mean, we had that at the tribe where we had short-term, midterm, and long-term goals. And that was actually what was really cool. Was, you know, when I came back years later, I saw one of the long-term goals. Come oh, wow. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my god, it happened, you know what I mean? Because they went out and got a grant and they were able to do all this background work, and that's when. Um, so the museum is the Apataki, which is in the National tribe of Florida. And a couple of years ago, I guess two years ago, they got a big IMLS grant and got all new shelving for the old archives. And it was wow. all pretty compressed shelving compared to what we awesome. used to have. And when I walked in there, I was like, oh my god, it's like <laughs> what, what we dreamed of. Back in the was day. It like, did you
2: hear music in the background?
0: <laughs> I did. It was, crazy. It was like, oh my God. Like it was just cool. Cause you know, I had seen it when stuff was still stored in like like plastic bags thrown up on top of shelves and now it's like compressed and pretty. And I was just like, this is beautiful. But that took a lot of years of us, you know, little budgeted projects that built up to this giant budget, budgeted project that involved the grant. So but it took a while. That's sure.
1: I would also add that I think that everybody outside of your department needs to also know what's on your, um, mm-hmm. your wish list because they might have um, things that maybe your project can piggyback on or uh, you could collaborate or you know, do um, like, like, like you guys both mentioned earlier where you, uh, you, you have joint projects with, with uh, whether it's a different department or a, another institution. So if everybody knows that, you know, your, your, uh, what your priorities are, then, you know, maybe you can work together on that or they can give you tips or they can send you money. They're like, Oh, this donor can, can help you with that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point.
1: Um, so it's already nine o'clock.
2: It's nine o'clock.
1: My word. Any other, uh, <laughs> parting thoughts? Um,
2: I think this like, is. As something. you mentioned, I
1: think we're going to put some uh, some notes in the in the YouTube description, um, and we are also going to put this out as a podcast. The goal is to put this out the Friday after. So this Friday coming up, we're, we're, our goal is to put the, the previous chat from about the conference and this one up. So look out for that, and um, yeah, then we'll be like a fully formed podcasting institution here for, for registrars, um, for everybody, but about, about us. So, yeah, that's, that's what's going on. Um, any other final thoughts, you guys?
0: I think budgeting is always going to be something we got to deal with. No one has a free ticket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's something, and I had to learn it on the job to be honest. And, um, Oh so, yeah. Experience. I never took a class. In certificates or grad school that showed me how to budget, like it was just me figuring it out and talking to people. You know what I mean? Who had done it before?
1: I'd be um, curious to know if people that are taking museum studies now are uh, are getting this information.
2: Very good really
0: so. so. question. I did not have it, <laughs> so yeah. I know that's for sure.
2: Or, or are there classes now available through some of the programs that have? Um, like museum study and other programs that are available for continuing professional development if they have a course specifically on budget management mm-hmm. right that would be incredibly valuable
1: i mean there's our museum study guide that 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 was always with us on on twitter chime in like tag us and and let us know if you <laughs> offer something like that um, so
0: uh, or we could send up to the arts education committee for an idea for a webinar or a workshop too would be a good
1: thing. Uh, get that funded. <laughs>
0: get that thing funded. <laughs> get
1: that funded. Do it. <laughs> so, All right. We can uh, work our Excel spreadsheet and use our Trello board and you know make it happen. So. Exactly. Well, thanks again, you guys, for tuning in on a Tuesday night and talking shop. So uh, like I said, we'll put this out as a podcast ASAP.
0: And I think next month, because it was going to float over the conference, we will not be doing the live stream Mm -hmm. during the scheduled time because we have the conference happening, correct? Or am I correct?
1: But we will be putting out podcasts, one of which will be uh, a panel discussion with us and uh, hopefully other people with the keynote speaker, Joan Baldwin uh, from leadership matters. Uh, We will have her on the podcast as well. So that will be a, an exciting thing that will probably come out just after the conference. Um, but we're also hoping to maybe put out some uh, smaller podcasts uh, throughout the conference as well.
0: Yep. So. so keep an eye on the feeds from November 7th to 9th through all sorts of chaos. If you haven't yep. already downloaded the conference app, uh, go to Google Play or Apple store, search for 2019 ARCS conference, get it. There's stuff happening. Even now people are posting. <laughs> on the app
2: so (laughs) yes so in that right now (laughs) (laughs) please cool thanks so much guys thanks see you soon